Today on Calm Talk, we're talking about author and illustrator Al Bowl. Rogue signal intercepted. Signal designation. Bees, views, and reviews. Signal host Branson Boykin initiating Calm Talk. Hey guys, welcome to Bees, Views, and Reviews, the podcast that promotes faith-based, family-friendly comics and the creators that make them. Brought to you by Geek Devotions, a show by devoted geeks devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm B, and today we'll be taking some time to talk to Al Bowl, author and illustrator of the sci-fi action series Zanan. Now, uh, Mr. Bowl, real quick, I am pronouncing that right. It is Zanan, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, when, when I first saw it, I kept calling him Zanan. And then uh, I was listening to one of your interviews and I heard you pronounce it Zane. And I was like, oh, okay, we're going to have to file that away for future reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Uh, for those of you who are in the Shreveport area, Mr. Bull is actually a Shreveport local. He's right here in the, in the big city of Shreveport, Louisiana. So we're excited to have him on the show. Mr. Bull, why don't you tell us about what got you into writing and art in the first place? Well, I've always uh, <clears throat> enjoyed uh, telling stories. Uh, my dad was an excellent storyteller. Uh, he could he could just, if he went and got gasoline at the gas station, when he came home, he would tell us about his trip to the gas station, and it would just be unbelievable. You know, it's that kind of thing. So I... Uh, I always thought storytelling and coming up with concepts was fun. And uh, I just innately drew on everything as a kid. In fact, my dad uh, forbade me to uh, draw for a long time because uh, I drew on test scores and my, my tests and stuff and papers to the point where my grades weren't very good, but they were well illustrated. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I go way back as far as wanting to, communicate. I always saw art and uh, storytelling as, a, as communication. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Well, um, specifically Zanan, where did you get your idea for Zanan? Um, <clears throat> I, when I first started out, I was in the ministry and uh, I was going from church to church and I was doing chalk presentations in churches. Uh, using music and chalk and message combining into one. And uh, I just did a lot of work with young people. And uh, I was concerned that there really wasn't a, a superhero for uh, young people. I was like so many others. I just really loved Superman and Batman and all those as a kid, but I'd never seen a superhero for that. And this is, this is like in the eighties and um uh, so I was really praying about it, and uh, uh, I felt like the Lord impressed me to, to with this idea for a story. And the character Zanan, not the name, but the character came first. And the second thing that came was the concept of the stone. Uh, and the story of Zanan uh, is in is five hundred years into the future, and uh, is the world Earth is dominated by a one world government called Sphere. Uh, it's a super computer, not even a computer. I call it a quorum. Uh, it's beyond a computer, beyond AI, uh, if, you, if it can be. And um, mm -hmm. so, the, of course, the Bible was outlawed. And uh, so, in order to rescue this, the scripture, uh, 
they came up with the concept of housing it inside of a rock uh, called the stone, and you'd put your fist around the stone, and it would use your skeleton as an amplifier to your ear. And it was a uh, it was a way for me to infuse scripture into the story without stopping it, right? Without, you know, without stopping it, and 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 I was able I was able to incorporate the Bible into the actual storyline. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. Um, that 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 whole concept actually is is what started. Uh, this podcast, when I started Bees Views and Reviews, I uh, I uh, approached my my friend Dallas, who heads up Geek Devotions, and I said, you know, I've I've noticed that there's a lot of people out there who are writing faith based family friendly comics. You know, comics where the the main characters uh, have a faith in Christ, their actions are guided by their faith in Christ, and it's really good stuff. But because it's not marvel or dc or something like that they don't get a lot of attention you know the same that some of these other big names would be and so i said i want to i want to have a platform to tell people that stuff like this is out here so what you're describing right there is actually exactly why this podcast even exists and uh i (laughs) i'll i'll go ahead and tell you this you actually when when you started first promoting zanan you actually visited my church uh, way back in the day, I was in, I was in elementary school, maybe the second grade. I, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but I remember you standing in the podium of our church and talking about your vision for comic books and toys and things that talked about the Bible and had heroes that that were Christ-centered. And I remember thinking, oh, that would be so cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> It, it it made an impression on me. Uh, so so I, I remember you promoting that and, and it was exciting as a kid to hear about it. And of course, now as an adult with my own sons growing up, that, that stuff like that is out there is 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 very encouraging, you know. Um, well at that time, you know, there's 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 stuff there now, but at that time there really wasn't anything and, and right. conceptualized the whole thing back in 86 uh, as not just a book series, but a movie and toys and video games. And all these things were just kind of picking up. And I did a whole uh, presentation and I would send it to publishers and I kept getting turned down. And finally, uh, Crossroad Books uh, told me uh, that they they turned it down. They said, just because we don't have the money to do your vision. And uh, I didn't realize I probably should have just tried to sell it as a book, you know, series. <laughs> and I yeah. may have done better. Uh, but uh, eventually I became friends with a, a man named Al Hartley. And he did the Archie comics. And he uh-huh. did the Archie Christian comics and a lot of other Christian comics for Barber. Or uh, I think it was Sp- Spire at that time. Uh, and he. He was really like a mentor to me, and uh, Barber called him when uh, Barber formed. He he and his brother sold out Spire, and they started their own company, Barber and Company, and uh, they wanted him to do uh, some coloring books. And so uh, he said, "Well, I don't really, I don't have time to do those, but uh, I know a guy that would." 
Uh, and he told him about me. And so one night I'm in my studio and Hugh Barber himself called me. You I mean, you never hear from a wow. publisher. Right. And he called and uh, he was asking me, just a super friendly guy. Uh, and I stayed at his home and all that stuff before now. You know, we're, we're friends now. But uh, <clears throat> he talked to me about doing that and finally said, you got any other ideas? And I told him about the big little books and I told him about Zane in. And so he said, would you send mail me a copy of a, a big little book like you have and your presentation on your Zane in character. And I overnighted it to him and he called me back in two days and said, look, we're going to do a whole thing called young readers, Christian library. And, uh, he said, uh, you can illustrate all the books we do. We're going to do a whole series, and we'll do all your Zane in and stuff. So I ended up doing like wow. 30 books for them. Wow. And uh, not just uh, books, but also I did. Uh, they hired me to do all their covers at that time for the series. And, um, in fact, I hadn't seen some of the books. It's uh, That was that many. But Zane in wow. came out at that time, and uh, the first episode was in the top 100 Christian books for children that year That's and amazing. uh we probably sold around three 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 hundred to four hundred thousand copies of that book uh wow. and then of course i did the four titles and uh then uh barber stopped the uh, zanian books and plus i'd gotten into some other stuff so uh it didn't uh it didn't uh, bother me and i got the rights back to zanian too so right uh, that anyway long story there but uh, <clears throat> that's how I, it came about. Yeah. Now, uh, talking about, you mentioned the big little books. Can you describe what that is for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with that concept? Uh, big little books are, Barbara called them pocket books, but they're about uh, four inches, four inches wide and uh, five inches tall. So they're almost square. And they're you know about 240 pages thick. So and they have a illustration. They have text on one page, illustration on the next. So uh, I would have 110 illustrations and 110 uh, pages of writing per book. Goodness, that that makes my hand hurt to think about. Yeah, it was. Uh, it were days when I did work 28 hours. <laughs> oh goodness, goodness. <laughs> Well, that, that is one thing that uh, people may notice when they, when they buy your books is that the first two volumes of Zane Ann, there's an illustration on almost every page. Mm -hmm. And then uh, your third book, Mermaid of Immersia, there are illustrations there, but they're considerably fewer. And, uh, and that was one of the questions that was asked of me was, you know, wh what is the difference? And uh, so did you write Mermaid of Immersia recently or was this a... Uh, an, an episode that had never published or. Well, it was, it was, it was conceptualized to be the fifth book. In fact, at the end of all, all four of those titles, it would always say, join Zane in and his next adventure uh, mm -hmm. episode five. And I, and I'd given the title Merman of a mercy. And there was an ad in the back of the fourth book. Well, when they ceased the title, people started writing and calling and, and uh, everything saying, well, where's the fifth book? Uh -huh. And uh, I had some problems in that I'd get, ended up with a partner who uh, 
I gave the uh, I gave the license to to do a video game and a comic book version of Zanian only, and they didn't, as they say, they did they did me wrong, right. and uh, they tried to steal my uh, trademark, and so I had to get away from them. So I was kind of gun shy for a while on coming up with uh, coming out with that title. So uh, I did write the book, and. Uh, I didn't really want to do one where I had all the illustrations on it. And I had a lot more information. The other titles were probably around 15 to 20,000 words. And this, and the uh, Immersia was 80,000. Uh, wow. So it's more like a novel. Right. Uh, I mean, if you read it, it reads like the first four books because I write on that, that age level. You know, my, my target age is, is really eight to 18, somewhere in there. Right. Cool. Okay, cool. That that was that was something I had noticed. Uh, having written both versions, one with an illustration in every page, and one with uh, just a a few illustrations. When you're picking your illustrations, how do you pick what you illustrate? Like, how do you pick? You know, when 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 Zaynan is is you know, in his ship and he's activating his power bands and he's in an aerial dogfight, and a lot of stuff ha is happening at once. How do you choose which picture to illustrate? I know if you're doing a, an illustration every page, it may be a little simpler because you've got more options, but like for, for a of immersia, how did you choose the illustrations that you settled on? Well, I, I tried to pick some that would, would target the most action are one that would be the most visually stimulating uh, of the ones or the, really are the ones that would, that words might not be able to really convey what was going on. Like when he's down in Immersia, uh, there, Immersia has been there a long time and it's, uh, it's it really is beginning to, not beginning, it's almost at the point when he gets there of imploding and, uh, so I wanted to show an illustration of what it would look, be look would look like to have this underworld city that's leaking everywhere. Uh -huh. uh, and so you know it's that sort of thing. What would what would like in the one where he has the uh, he's running on the stilts? Uh, that was to me that was just a fun concept and uh, and uh, I just thought it would would be a cool illustration. Okay, so you just pick the cool parts, basically, and do those. Yeah, I try to, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. All right, well, we are going to take just a short commercial break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about, uh, if it's okay, with, I'd like to talk to you about your faith and how yeah. that plays a part into Zainan and just your your uh, sense of endurance in, in writing the book. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. In a world where live-action movies reign supreme, two awesome dudes are keeping things animated. If you want to hear a couple of animation nerds gush about the movies they love, then hop, run, or fly on over to The Cellcast. Available on most podcast platforms.
And we are back to Bees Views and Reviews, where I've got author and illustrator Al Bowl, who wrote and illustrated the series, the sci-fi action series, Zaynan. Now, uh, right before the break, we said we were going to talk a little bit about your faith and how that uh, shows up in your work. If you read Zaynan, uh, it's obviously, obviously your faith is heavily influenced because the main character uh, experiences the underground church. He, as, as you described before, he has a stone that quotes scripture whenever he needs it. Uh, as an author, to what extent does your faith influence your your work? Like, do you sit down and think, I want to write a story about salvation, so let me paint a story around it? Or do you sit down, I want to write a story about a sci-fi action guy and the topics just kind of come out as, as an author. How do, how do you do that? Well, uh, as far as my, the infusion of my faith, I was saved when I was 11 uh, years old uh, during a vacation Bible school. I'd, I'd gone to church all my life. Uh, when I was born, I was immediately uh, signed up for Sunday school. They call it the cradle roll in the church I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, my parents were very faithful. I went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, uh, Sunbeams, uh, RAs, GAs. My mother was in charge of the girls' organization, so I went to those two. And I uh, went to the Women's Missionary Union, the Men's Brotherhood, and uh, I went all the time to church. And uh, in our home, the, the Bible was celebrated. I shared a room with a, an aunt who was blind. And so I would read her the Bible at night, and she believed there were two books that uh, were uh, every Christian should read. One is the Bible, and the second was Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, and yeah. So every night I would read that book to her as well as from the Bible. Uh, what's kind of cool about that is uh, years later, the first book that Barbering Company hired me to illustrate was The Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And then the first comic book I did for Barber and Company was The Pilgrim's Progress. So I have, I have quite a history with that. Uh, I was going to say, I'm starting to notice a pattern here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and through the years, I've had a lot of people write me from around the world that are doing uh, pro- Pilgrim's films and stuff like that and want my take on it and and uh, research papers and stuff. I uh I never really was that wild about the story because I've never been uh, a person that really cared much for allegories. And I, I really steered away from that with the Zane Ann. I didn't want it to be an allegory uh, because right. I, I wanted it to be more like fiction writing than, than some like uh, some sort of uh, hitting you in your rib, like get it, get it, get it kind of thing. Right. So uh, you favor Tolkien over Lewis then. <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, excuse me. So what I'm saying is it's really my worldview. I write out of my worldview, not, I didn't sit down and say, I want, I I did sit down and have a desire to communicate the gospel, but it wasn't going to be, uh, in your traditional way. And, and, uh, of course, as a kid growing up, I read 1984 and animal farm. And, um, also, um, uh, had the opportunity to meet and work with Richard Vernbron, who wrote the book Tortured for Christ. And oh, wow. uh, so I was very, uh, and his wife, Sabina, and they just came out with a movie on her life. 
uh, recently. And they just they have another one on Richard that came out about a year ago called Tortured for Christ. But my worldview has always been like that, uh, uh, that, that we're, you know, should Christ tarry, what would the world be like? That's what I did with the Zanian series is <clears throat> I had that idea of should Christ tarry, what will we be like in the future? And uh, yeah. what will we face? And are rather based on what we believe now or do now, our, our tomorrow. Because, you know, every day, just a day just runs into the next day. It's no, there's no, the world is in, we count weird hours and minutes and days and sunrise, sunset, but really it's all one long day. Right. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, whatever we aspire to now or believe in or put forth, uh, we need to be careful because that's our outcome tomorrow. And so that's what I did. I just projected in the future what would be like. Well, uh, if you look at the Zanian series, um, they there is no marriage. Uh, the sphere determines based on aptitude uh, and other aptitude and other qualifications. Uh, they put a man and a woman together to have a child. And it's taken away from them and given and raised by uh, nurse robots. And uh, you're uh, actually the genetic birth division determines based on uh, what the needs of society, what they want. If they if they want a bunch of janitors, then that's what they'll they'll put those people together to come up with a child uh, like that. Or if they need a nuclear physicist or an athlete, they would. Uh, put two athletes together and that sort of thing. Wow. Um, and then at age 55, you're given a, a test. And if you fail the test, you're given a sleep injection and then frozen. And your body parts are used for the uh, younger uh, society. And so, all of this, all of this is policies that are implemented by Sphere, correct? Yes, that is correct. All right. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about Sphere. Now, you said earlier that he's... He's technically a computer, but it's really more than that, more than AI. He's like a super-duper computer. Right. It, 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 it is, but at the same time, I believe that, uh, that at the heart of Sphere is not a machine. It's, a, it's men, and it's mm. not just one. And I, I've never, I don't know if I, would cons- if I would say I was a conspiracy-type theorist type person because you know I don't I don't look at society and go oh this means this or this means that or this you know uh, even on the second coming I never have been of the kind that that uh, said oh this is a sign of the end you know uh, right. I've always felt like that he's going to come when it's time and uh, most people and will be unaware but so I don't I never thought an awful lot about uh, the return I try to live today and see as many people come to the kingdom as possible today. And that's all I'm really required to know. I'm I, like, yeah. I always say I'm in sales, not management. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> so that's, that's the, the, the Zanian, the, the sphere is really more, it's a machine that's manipulated by men. Ah, uh, so it, it's like a, it's like a figurehead, if you will. Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, so it's, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it says in Ephesians, the wiles of the devil or false faces of the devil. 
Right. Uh, well, I think that I think that's the way evil is. I think it is always putting on a mask, uh-huh. and uh, or or signing someone else. It's it's an old magician trick, you know. You you don't you you lead them to look at where you want them to look, not where where the action's actually happening. And so, right. if you can blame it on a computer, uh, uh, what's going on? Uh, then it's uh, people feel like, well, what can I do against a computer? Uh-huh. So it, that's more about what it is. I see. I got you. You know, I'm, I'm noticing as we're talking, uh, you mentioned before that you just had a worldview that naturally flowed out. But when you sat down to write Zane Ann, you're very, very focused on story. Like you, you, you have the premise, okay, uh, Jesus doesn't come back when everyone thinks he does. And so we go far, far into the future that we have like the, the underground church and sphere being manipulated by man. But, and like I said, it's obvious in your writing that, that faith is a huge part, not just of the story of Zanan, but uh, of you as well. But your story still reads like a story. And that's a sharp contrast to other times I've seen where people have attempted to, you know, I'm going to write a Christian version of this, whatever the genre is. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, it, it feels like we're reading a sermon with a fiction mask on, if, if that makes sense. You yeah, know, sure. it's like they approach it with the message and then stick the fiction onto it to make it look cool. And what a common theme that I've seen with a lot of the authors that I've, I've had on this show, especially the successful ones is, well, yeah, the message is there, but the point is the story. I want to make sure I tell a good story. And if my faith is a part of me, then that's just naturally going to come out as I tell the story. And and I think that's a, a, a big clue to Christian fiction that does well versus Christian fiction that doesn't is, are you preaching at me or do you want to tell me a story? Well, I noticed in Christian film, I always felt like there were people who were, who were strong biblically, but they weren't, they weren't filmmakers. Right. And so their, their stories, uh, they were, they're, they were devoutly biblically correct, but, humanly boring or underacted or underdirected, underproduced. And then you had another group of people that really were knew how to produce things, but they didn't know how to tell the Christian story. Right. And so that's what I was wanting to do is, is make something that would, would, uh, would, would do just what you just said. It would be a, a story, but it would be a Christian viewpoint. Right. And I imagine sometimes it's hard to, to 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 balance those two to have a story that's truly entertaining, but still represent the the worldview and the perspective of a follower of Christ. Uh, so, how do you handle? Like I, I know for me myself, the few times I've dabbled in writing, it's it's hard to have a good story and inject elements of faith and it not sound hokey. Mm-hmm. So h- how do you handle the the temptation to say, well, this, this doesn't work or let me just go try something else or let me try to just focus on writing the story and figure the faith out later. H- how do you handle the temptation to just kind of either give up altogether or just kind of go with the flow? Well, I, I think that, that you have to have a story arc. 
And Zanian is not just one type of uh, archetype. Uh, he is uh, an archetype. He is Moses. He is uh, Paul. Uh, you see him, the, the word Zanian means to come out, a leader. Uh -huh. So Zanian is a uh, is a person that God has chosen to lead uh, the world out of this misery. Well, they've had 500 years to get into this misery. It takes a while to get out. Right. And so uh, at this point in the story, at the end of Immersia, Zanian finds himself in exile on a plastic island. It's an island made totally out of... Uh, plastic refuge that oh uh, we see so much like the great rafts out there in the Pacific ocean right. of plastic floating around. Well, eventually after 500 years, they, they become islands. And uh, so Zanian is there with the stone and for really for the first time, he has his opportunity to have an Arabia moment like Paul, where he went, Paul went out for three years and that's mm -hmm. where, when he came back, his theology was established uh, and what he believed. Uh, and he, un he, got, he got the whole picture, you know. So that's what right. Zanian finds himself doing. And uh, in this new book that will come out, uh, I've begun writing it. Uh, Zanian finds himself at this exile on this island and... He is, believe it or not, working uh, to uh, get rid of all the, the litter on the earth. And the way they're wow. doing it is they're actually shooting it down into the magma at the, at the center of the earth's core. Oh. So there, it, has, it doesn't even have to get all that far down to, to burn up. You know, right. paper, as, as Bradbury said, ignites at 450 you know, Fahrenheit, right. 451, 451, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so that's, he finds himself in there, you know, what could go wrong when you're trying to, to burn out all that paper, right? Yeah, right. And, uh, <laughs> plus he's in exile. They're looking for him uh, to get rid of him. And uh, so from there, he begins to go on his missionary journeys. Uh, to uh, around not only on planet but off planet, so there's a lot more Zanian adventures out there. Uh, cool. Well, that actually leads me to my next question: What does the future hold for Zanian? I know you've got the three books out. Uh, the first two were reprints of your your older books, and then we've got the Mermaid of Immersion's book three. What does the future hold for Zanian? Are you looking for more books? Maybe some other mediums? What, what's what's the plan? Or can you tell me? Well, uh, at this point, just just the books. To uh, uh, through the years, there's been a production company that's talked to me about uh, doing a Zanian movie, and we've even got a script for it, but uh, never never been able to. They've never been able to pull it together. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, to make it happen, uh, that doesn't mean it won't happen. But uh, right, you know. I, I had to really fight the, uh, some t I have through the years and I've been dealing with this since 86. So I've had a lot of no's and a lot of close opportunities and stuff. And I know, I know, uh, one day I felt, I just really felt like quitting. I mean, it, uh -huh. it, it just, I don't know what happened that day, but I finally just 
out loud, said, Lord, I give up. I can't make it happen. I give up. I quit. Right. And uh, that was on a Friday afternoon. And one thing that's always important to me and my wife is that we see a movie with our family every Friday afternoon in the theater. Mm -hmm. And so uh, on this particular Friday, uh, we got there a little early. I have three children and we decided of all places to go eat, to eat at Arby's. And uh, I never eat at Arby's. I'm not against Arby's. It just is not one I think about. Right. So we went to eat there. And uh, while I was sitting there, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and it was a man. And uh, I said, hi. And he said, uh, the answer is not yet. And I said, what? (laughs) He said, God told me to come in here and tell you not yet. Don't give up. Oh, my word. And uh, he turned around and walked out of the building. And I just, it just blew me away, you know. Uh, wow. Not yet. So, uh, yeah, there <laughs> so goes I'm, not, I'm not, I, I haven't, I haven't quit since. Uh, wow. I had ups and downs with the, with the saga, but I haven't quit on it. Wow. Well, so I don't know very... what God's plans are for it, but I do feel like, uh, that, that it did come from him. And I just want to say to this, to any of your listeners out there who might want to write a story or whatever, and you're, you feel this need to send it to publishers and try to get them to publish it, whatever you do, don't say, God gave me this story. <laughs> <laughs> because when you do that, they're going to turn you down flat. Right. Because uh, they think, well, you're, what you're saying is, if I don't do this story, then I'm rebelling against God. Uh-huh. And I don't think you should say things like that. So that's just a little tidbit I want to throw out there. Don't, even though you may fiercely believe that God told you to do it, you don't have. If God's in it, you don't have to broadcast that. Right. That's a card you don't have to play. <laughs> Amen. All right. Uh, I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about something else besides Zanian that I think uh, people might find interesting. Talk to me about. Tarzan and your involvement with the character of Tarzan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, like most people, I guess my age, I'm 68. Uh, I grew up watching Tarzan on television, the movies, you know, on Saturday morning. Right. And uh, <clears throat> I just loved Tarzan as a kid. And I read uh, later, I read the books and stuff. Well, one day I was in uh, South Louisiana and having breakfast with a group of men. And one of them said he was from Morgan City, and that's where they made the first Tarzan movie. And then he said, you know, they they brought in monkeys and stuff to make that movie. And uh, when it ended, they couldn't get them back in the cages, so they just left them. And so I that just really I thought, really, there's monkeys down there in the Chapalaya Basin around Morgan City. And uh, so I started doing some research about that. And found out there was a lot of research and a lot of unanswered questions uh, about that that film. And so uh, I, my daughter was uh, a visual arts major at UL Lafayette. And uh, she had already made a couple of documentaries. And she joined with myself and my wife. And we decided we'll go for it. So I, I contacted the Burroughs people, Edgar Rice Burroughs Incorporated, 
and they ga- they granted me. I had to do a proposal, and they granted me a license to uh, use the Tarzan name and to do a documentary on that film. And uh, wow. so I spent four years researching, shooting. We shot seventy hours of interviews and uh, footage and uh, totally investigated the, uh, the story and the history of the world at that time and, and the life of Burroughs and the making of that film. And uh, we finished with a uh, feature-length documentary, Tarzan, Lord of the Louisiana Jungle. And then we also took the original film that had fallen, in, fallen into disrepair, really, uh, of editing. It had been chopped up and reversed, ordered, and everything. Yes. And so we we took the book and we went back in and edited, re-edited the film to follow the story of the book. <clears throat> and I got Kermit Poling to do the music, and he did a great symphonic uh, uh, orchestral score. And uh, really not just music, but it really helped tell the story. Right. And so we released the original film uh, at 61 minutes. And... Um, right. So now I offer both of them. You can go to Amazon.com, Amazon Prime, or Amazon, and you can watch those films. That's amazing. My uh, my father is a big Tarzan fan. I remember as a kid growing up, every time a Johnny Wisewheeler film came on TV somewhere, he was watching it. You know, yeah. uh, you know, he had all the books. He had an entire series of of the Edgar Rice Burroughs novels. Uh, he was a big Tarzan fan. Uh, uh, so I, I grew up with Tarzan in the house, you know, uh-huh. and uh, I just, I just always thought that was neat that there was a piece of Tarzan in my home state, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. that, Isn't that, cool? Tarzan, that, that, that is really cool. That is really, did you cool. know that before, uh, did you know that before the, uh, hearing about our documentary or I did not, the way I heard about that was seeing an advertisement for your documentary. <laughs> uh-huh. So that, that just, that just blew me away. In fact, uh, You'd given a talk in Shreveport last year, I think it was, or maybe it was earlier this year. And uh, I grabbed a, a copy of the the documentary for my dad and uh, got him one of your posters. Uh, uh-huh. You know, but uh, that, I, I, had, I had never heard that story before. And then uh, you, I think I was looking at your website and I saw an advertisement for it. So uh, that, that just blew me away that this whole time, you know, Louisiana doesn't have a lot that it can claim is, Hey, isn't this cool about our state? But the fact that we have a connection with Tarzan, I think is one of those things. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things. You know, there was a boat that was used in that Tarzan film. The thing about the, uh, the, the Tarzan, of the apes film is it was two hours and 10 minutes long. And, um, when it was first released, and it had a lot of England part to it as well as uh, the jungle part. Mm-hmm. But they started immediately cutting it down because they p- found that people loved the film, but they liked the jungle part. So they started hacking away at the British part. Right. But anyway, they they had a, a boat that they used in that film uh, then. And then uh, when the films really started being made in Louisiana in the early 2000s, that boat resurfaced in the movie Benjamin Buttons. Oh, really? So it was kind of full circle, really. Uh, and oh, wow. we had our we we had a year long. Uh, I curated curated a year long Tarzan exhibition at the Louisiana State Museum, and the people that owned that boat 
allowed us to put it in the exhibit. Oh, wow. So that was, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And people always ask me, do you think there are apes in the Chafalaya Basin? Uh, and I say, well, there's no, there's no apes, uh, but there's probably monkeys there. Yeah. Uh, you know, apes are very social. Right. And so they would seek out people. And the problem with an ape is uh, a chimp, when they're a baby, they don't, they like to play and stuff. But when they're yeah. about three or four years old, they don't play, they don't play as much anymore and they can get really mean and, and they're very volatile and strong. Uh-huh. I mean, they're nine times stronger than a human. Right. So you don't want to mess with chimpanzees, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, right. Plus they throw things at you that smell. <laughs> true uh, that true that yeah so i do think that there's uh there's monkeys there but uh uh not apes right right well mr bowl if people want to get a copy of Zanan, where can they go to get that or any of the other stuff that you've done uh i would just recommend uh going to amazon and uh putting my name in it in the thing and and a lot of my books will pop up uh, okay. All of the new books I've done uh, done recently, my Tales in the Bayou, which just came out uh, recently, uh, it's there and it's for ages and elementary school age kids. And then um, then I have a, a one called Bubbles Up, The Adventures of KK and Uni. That's a picture book for ages one to six. And then I have the Zanian titles there too. And then they have some of my Barber books there as well as my Pelican book on cartooning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Uh, as far as social media, is there somewhere where they can follow you there? Yeah, I have a Zanan site, uh, as well as a, uh, Tarzan Lord Louisiana site. And, uh, when I say site, I mean page. And then I have my page, Al Bowl. All right. And that's through Facebook. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. We're redoing Great. my website right now. So, uh, It'll be probably back up in January. Okay, great. Good deal. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow Geek Devotions on all our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole thing. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast catchers and leave reviews. We like to hear feedback. I want to give a special thank you to Mr. Al Bowl for being on our show today. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Well, thank you, Branson. I appreciate you having me on. Alrighty, we'll see y'all next time. Until then, stay devoted, peace and love.